and he has an invitation to you today to experience him as living in your life. Not a moment in history that we can read about only, but a living experience in your life. A personal presence, someone that you walk with on a, in a relationship, on a journey of faith with. A living personal presence, a living spirit. It says that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. He is not a piece of chiseled stone. All of us, nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. Verse 18, and so we are transfigured much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become more like him. So that is why who we are is important and that we have God examine us because that is the journey of being a Christian is that as God enters our lives, we gradually become brighter and more beautiful because we're becoming like him. So to become more like God, we need to know what God is like, yeah? And to become more like God, we need to know what we're like to know what needs to change. And it's a big contrast when we see who God is and then what we're like. When we see, oh, very different. <laughs> and so the problem is, though, that we usually compare ourselves to the standard that we want. Sometimes I compare myself to my mum. And whenever I do that, I feel like I'm falling short. Sometimes I change my standard to make myself more comfortable, though. I justify it. But you know what? I've done enough already, and then I lower my standard. Our standards are faulty. Somebody that might gossip and bring disunity with God's people might compare themselves with that horrible person that was an adulterer. But God doesn't compare the sins that way. Somebody with anorexia might judge somebody who's overweight. Who's right, though? And how do we understand? Our standards are not right. We need God's standards. So we need to look at him as our measuring stick. I don't want to be judging myself against you or you judging yourself against me. We need to go to God's standards. And this is the problem with self-assessment. When we look at it according to whatever standard we've chosen, we make an assessment and then we make it a judgment about what we are like as a person based on what we've assessed, yeah? And sometimes, or whatever our judgment is, it's not right if it's not God's judgment. We need him to make the assessment and we need him to judge us. So there's a few ways that we can do that. We're going to look at three ways this morning. One, read God's instruction in his word. So read the Bible. The second is look at the example and teaching of Jesus. And then the third is to ask the Holy Spirit. So the first one, read God's instruction in his word. So the Bible is our measuring stick. Now, I heard the story of a man who was trying to help the builders build a church to try and reduce the cost because they're a church. And they said, could you please cut 600 of these, um, not sticks, I'm not a builder, pieces of wood according to this measurement. So he measured out the first one, measured it perfectly and cut it. Then he took that bit of wood that he just cut 
and put it on that big plank again and use that as the measuring stick to cut the next one. And then you took the one you just cut and use that as the measuring stick to cut the next one. Do you know what happens when you do that 600 times? Yes, it gets shorter and shorter. None of them were the same size. To the naked eye at first, they looked the same, but by you get to number 600, that measuring stick has added, made a big problem, hasn't it? So we need the Bible as our measuring stick. For example, how should I live? The Bible's got the answer for that. He said, love the Lord your God, love your neighbour as yourself. What is right? The Bible says, here are my commands. The Bible's full of them. What should I be like? Well, here's the list of characteristics of someone who has the Holy Spirit at work in them. We are to love. We are to have joy. We are to have and make peace. We are to be patient and enduring. We are to be gentle. We are to be good and godlike. We are to have faith and confidence in God. We are to be kind and forgiving. And we're to have self-control. How do I know that? The Bible told me. In Galatians 5, 22, verse 26, it said, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are, are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also work, walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So this is what you do when you're reading your Bible. If you want God to assess you, you read that and you go, Oh God, how can I love you? So the role of Jesus is our example. He's our saviour and our Lord. And so as Lord of our life, we can look to his example of what our life should look like if he's in us. So we've got read God's word. The second is look to Jesus as our example. And the third way is to ask the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, so that's God's spirit who's been sent to us, is our comforter. He reveals Jesus to us. And another word name for the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth. And we're told that the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us. So if you're, if you're a follower of God, that only happened because the Holy Spirit revealed Jesus to you. Remember we heard about that veil. He removed that veil so that you could see him. If you follow God, that means you've heard God's voice. You know how to hear God's voice then. The only way you knew right from wrong, the only way you knew you needed a saviour, the only way you knew there was a saviour, was the Holy Spirit revealed Jesus to you. And that same Holy Spirit is also the revealer of all truth. 
He is the spirit of truth. And the Bible says we need to ask him to reveal Jesus to us. We need to ask him to reveal all truth to us. So when we want to self-assess, when we want an examination of our life, ask the Holy Spirit and he will tell us. So if you feel comfortable and if you don't have a small child to watch, if you could just close your eyes for a moment and just say, God, Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to me. You might hear something or see a picture or get a sense. He's going to answer you. Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to me. Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to us right now. That's a good prayer to pray regularly. In Revelation chapter 5, we read about people in heaven who have a revelation of Jesus. They have a revelation of him sitting, being the lambs on the throne. They have a revelation of him sitting in control, holding all of future, all of eternity in his hand. They see Jesus' glory. They experience who he is. They have a revelation of his power, of his riches, his honor, his strength and wisdom. And how do they respond to this revelation? They fall down in worship. You know, you don't need to invite God to come. He already, at his own initiative, came to you. You just need to accept him. He's already invited you. You just have to accept his invitation. We don't have to ask him to come. He came to us. And so when we have a revelation of God, we need to respond. And you know, you do respond. You can either choose to look away or walk away or try and ignore him that's one response or you can choose to look at him and if you do that you cannot help but worship you know worship requires us to fall down to surrender it requires repentance you cannot submit or surrender or serve or revere god without confessing sins and repenting. You cannot enter the presence of God without repentance. Now, most perfect sacrifice has been made for your sin by our Redeemer. And we need to come before God with a repentant and humble heart to be able to accept his grace. Romans 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. If you live in Christ, you do not need to, for one moment, live in condemnation of your sin. And sometimes we're scared to have God judge us or examine us because we're expecting him to condemn us. God does not condemn you. If you are in Christ, if you have accepted the sacrifice of Jesus, When he looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees his sacrifice. He does not condemn you. What he does is in the most loving way possible, he convicts you. And that means he brings to our attention areas that need correction. Because he doesn't want us to be broken. He doesn't want us to be burdened. He wants us to be whole. He wants us to be free. So he does not condemn us. 
You are eternally secure if you are in Christ. On judgment day, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means that you're free from the control of sin because the Spirit of God has set us free and continues to set us free. We don't have to listen to the enemy's attacks of condemnation. You know, Satan loves to condemn us. He loves to make those things that we need correcting from. He makes them a label for us. Condemnation will tell you that you need to change and will show you that area that you need to change in, but it will make it seem like that's never possible. Because you have that problem with alcohol, you are an alcoholic and that's who you are forever. That's what condemnation says. It'll say you're a loser. It'll bring shame. It will hold your sin up in your face and say, you are this. You are a loser. God doesn't do that. God will correct you, but he will show you the areas to change with the hope and the tools that you need, the grace that you need to change. God will never, ever, 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 ever convict you of anything that he is not empowering you to have changed. He will never show you anything that he has not made a way for victory on. Just like God never brings a burden to you, you know, maybe, you know, you've got a burden for Agnes right now. She's got a lot of stuff that she's got to learn and recover from and everything like that. God's not showing you that to make you feel burdened and, oh, no, that's horrible. He's showing you because he's giving you the tools to do something about it, to cook a meal, to pray, to bring it before him in prayer. God does the same with what he gives us on. He brings things to our attention to correct us because he loves us and he wants us to be whole. And when he says, look at this area of your life and says in the same sentence, and look at how I can free you from it. Yes, you've got an anger issue and you speak to your kids in a way that you shouldn't speak to them. But look, there's always that but. I am your heavenly father and I've given you the example that you need. But look, I dealt with that on the cross. So accept that freedom and my correction so that you can have a better relationship with your kids. God brings conviction. So when when he wants us to say, God, search me. We need to remember who we're going to. We heard it when Glinda spoke. We're coming to our loving Father. He has done everything to prove his love for us. When we say, God, search me, we're coming to love. God is love, the very definition of perfect love. And he'll say, gosh, I'm so glad you came to me because I've got an answer for that. Condemnation paralyzes your ability to change. God's conviction only brings freedom and liberation. Don't take on condemnation that Jesus took on the cross for you. We sang it this morning, he became sin. Who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness? So when we say exactly, we can also do it in confidence. Because if we are in Christ, there is no condemnation. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. And it's not just that. He didn't just remove our sin. He didn't just remove our shame. The Bible says God has forgotten it. That's crazy.
heard the story about its nose stuck in a um, empty can of paint and it couldn't get it off. This um, stubborn, curious cow had looked into the paint, shoved its face right in and it was stuck. And that's a problem because a cow with a can on its face can't eat, struggles to breathe and its calf needs its mum to be able to do those things. So this was a problem. So both the cow and its calf were in danger because of this paint can. And so the farmer and his family set out to help. But when the cow saw the rescuers coming, she set out for pasture and took off with the can on its face. And they pursued, but the cow escaped. And they chased that cow for three days. Each time the rescuer drew near, the cow ran. And so finally using pickup trucks, many people and ropes, they cornered and decanned the cow. <laughs> we can sometimes do that with God, can't we? We've got this obvious limitation on our lives. This really foolish decision that we made, and it's stuck on our face. And we know we've missed the mark, but we want to hide from him. Or hide that decision from him like Adam did in the garden. Remember Adam sinned and he hid from God? And God said, where are you, Adam? God knew exactly where he was, but he was saying, Adam, where is your heart? I'm here, where are you? But we do the same thing sometimes. We hide that particular area of our life, that shameful area, that past, or that thing that we, we still think we want to hold on to. But we need to remember who our rescuer is and that he has our best interest at heart. He is a loving father wanting to rescue you from what hurts you. And he's proven his kindness. You know, it's like Play-Doh. When Audrey's forgotten to put the lid on her Play-Doh, it dries up and it gets hard. And it breaks when she tries to make something with it. And she can't make it into much, anything special, because it's all dried up. But if she takes it to Manuel, he can squish it and mould it back into something that's soft, like putty and pliable. And then she can make something special out of it again. When we have become hard or have done the wrong thing, we can present ourselves to our loving Father to remould and shape us because his hands are stronger. His fingers can do that. Audrey can't do that, so she takes it to her daddy because he's stronger than her. We can take our heart to our father. Psalm 51, verses 16 to 17. For you, do, you, God, do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. The word contrite in this verse means to be crushed to shivers, like when bones are broken. And it talks about the mind or the heart which is crushed or broken by the weight of guilt. No hiding guilt empowers shame. God does not give us shame. He removes shame. Shame destroys hope, but God gives us hope. Everything about God is hope. And so even when he brings us conviction, we know that it comes with hope for change. That's the purpose of the conviction. And so shame dies when we bring it to a safe place. So we take that guilt and we know that it doesn't end 
there. That's not the end of the journey for us to live in guilt and shame. We take that guilt as part of the process and we take that guilt and we confess our sins to our loving Father. And we can confess our sins in a safe place. Bible says confess your sins to one another. Hope Chapel is a safe place where you can do that without getting shame so that you can walk into God's victory. So don't think it ends at guilt. You don't need to try and remove the guilt because it's yucky by changing to your standards or justifying it. But you also don't need to carry that guilt around. It's part of the process. You take the guilt, you confess the sin, and you say, thank you, God, for showing that this does not match with your standard. Please take this broken and contrite spirit. I'm humble now, God. I'm broken by my guilt. Thank you for loving me enough to speak to me about it. Now, can you take that hard Play-Doh? And maybe it's uncomfortable, that squeezing that he does, because I have to let go of something that I relied on and thought I wanted more than God. But I've realized now I've got a broken and contrite spirit. God molded into something beautiful. Make me see it again. The Bible says, Jehovah God is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are of a contrite spirit. Isaiah says, I dwell in the high and holy place, even with the contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Now, wherever God can find a contrite and repentant spirit, that is where he will choose to dwell. And I want God to dwell in my life. So I'm going to say, God, search me. Examine me. Test my motives and tell me. If there's a way in me that needs to be changed. Sometimes we need our lies about ourselves to be corrected. Part of getting God to examine us is to hear what he says about us. God, who do you say I am? My, My flesh, my mind is telling me that I'm messed up. That I'm abandoned. That I'm broken or that this situation is beyond repair. But God, who do you say I am? God, I'm asking you to search me, not my own judgment, not what they say I am. You tell me who I say I am. God, what lies have I been believing about myself that I need to trade for your truth? What truth that I have wrongly had do I need to exchange with your assessment of me, God? You know, am I believing that my marriage is not fixable? Am I believing that my health is not repairable? Am I believing that I'm stuck in this situation? Am I believing that this is as good as my life gets? Am I believing that this is who I am? Or am I believing who God says I am? Am I a slave to sin, God, or am I a child of God? Am I plagued by this addiction? Or am I free by, set free by you, God? God, is this area of my life what you want it to be? God, have I made that desire greater than my desire for you? God, you search me and you tell me what you see. I want to know what God sees. Let's all close our eyes for a while. Just quietly to yourself. Say, God, search me. Have a look at my life right now. Am I far from you, God? Have I walked away from you? 
Have I never accepted you as my saviour? Have I never given you full control of my life? God, do I need to put that thought aside and embrace your truth instead? God, that part of my life that I tried to bury down and pretend wasn't there anymore because it was too hard to look at. God, you look at it. You assess it and tell me what you want, God. I hand it to you. Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to us.